This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. God has blessed us with a son. He was born on 24 December 2008, my worst nightmare, as my plan was to have a January or February baby. However, as the years gone by, it really didn't matter to me anymore, as Vian is our greatest gift. He is healthy, he's joyful, he's smart, and he loves Jesus. What more can I ask? Until some of these control issues resurfaced again in the first term of 2019. With regards to school, we were just enjoying life while Vian was in the junior phase. There were academic assessments, but no exams, so school wasn't too stressful. But we got to grade four and it was a different ball game. We felt totally lost in the first term due to a variety of subjects, different teachers and exams. But we did what we always do. We worked really hard. And to our greatest surprise, Vian was first in his grade and managed to keep that position until the end of the year. He did so much for his self-esteem and it was a huge gift to us as a family as it was totally unexpected. I was one of those painful people who actually enjoyed school, so helping my son with homework has been a fulfilling experience for me. The only problem is, Vian is not like me. He is a real boy who wants to have fun, make jokes and play games, so he often reminds me that he doesn't like school. The academic success in grade 4 was unexpected because most of the time Vian is not focused and that in turn causes me to feel completely out of control. I can only go as far as helping him to prepare for the exams but unfortunately I can't write them on his behalf. So in the first term of Vian's fifth grade I started carrying a heavy emotional burden. Assisting my son with schoolwork, which had previously been a joy and a privilege, had suddenly become a massive weight on my shoulders. I could help Vian, but I could not control the outcome of tests and exams, and it caused me to feel extremely anxious. I knew that my anxiety was ridiculous, but I couldn't shake it off. I wrestled with these stressful thoughts for weeks before telling my husband about my internal conflict. Once I told him, we both acknowledged that God did something special for Vian in grade 4, but there was no guarantee that he would achieve the same results in grade 5. I had to let go and put my trust in the Lord. My husband and I prayed together and at that moment, God did something powerful in my heart. I experienced the beauty of surrender. So since today is National Women's Day, this sermon is going to be a little bit more for the ladies, but I'm sure male and female would be able to relate to the topic, let go and let God. Maybe you don't have children yet, but you feel out of control in your marriage because you can't change your spouse. Perhaps you can't get him to help around the house, do things the way you usually do them, or remember special occasions like your anniversary date. Maybe you can't convince him to go to church or inspire him to be the spiritual leader in your home. Maybe you feel out of control at work, as there are so many variables that you can't control. 
People who change things at the last minute or drop the ball. People who commit to doing things and never end up doing them. Customers who don't pay timelessly. Or people who make promises and don't keep them. Maybe you don't think you have control issues at all. Well, just wait until you get married or until you have children. Or maybe you're the first one to admit that you are a control freak. Regardless in which category you fall, I think we would all agree that trying to control things or other people are exhausting and it's not effective. The only person we can control by God's grace is ourselves. So why do we struggle to let go of control? I've made a list of possible reasons, so maybe you can relate to one or all of them. We have a great need for peace and intimacy, so we control things to gain peace and intimacy. Or we don't want to get hurt or disappointed, so we control and manipulate to protect ourselves. We feel vulnerable, fearful and anxious when we let go, so we control to manage these negative emotions. We also feel responsible to get a certain result, that's definitely me, in our marriage, in our children, or work, or friendship. So we feel like a failure if things don't work out the way we want them to work out. Also, in Genesis 3.16, we find a scripture that says, your desire shall be for your husband. This is part of the curse after Adam and Eve have disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden. And some theologians explain that this scripture means that a woman would desire to dominate her husband, which means that she would, in essence, desire to dominate any person or situation that comes in her way, which explains why most ladies have an inherent tendency to want to control situations, whether we consciously think about it or not. I would love to read a few paragraphs from the book Control Girl by Shannon Popkin, which I can highly recommend to all women. Shannon Popkin shares in her book, Control Girl, One morning in Bible study, I asked the ladies in my group to share a prayer request concerning a relational struggle. I figured we might hear a request about rebellious teens or brittle marriages. Instead, each and every woman shared about the hurt and stress created by an overly controlling mom or mother-in-law. I was stunned. Solemnly, after all the prayer requests had been shared, I leaned in and said to my group, I want us to support each other by praying about these difficult women in our lives. But I'm just sitting here wondering, how do we not become them? How do we ensure that 20 years from now, it won't be our daughters and our daughters-in-law sharing prayer requests about us? Like I said, we have one child, a boy. Vian and I have a beautiful relationship and we are very close, which means I run a risk that my poor daughter-in-law could perhaps ask for prayer at her Bible study one day because of her over-controlling mother-in-law who drives her crazy. So I remind myself often that I want my daughter-in-law to like me and not see me as a threat. Therefore, I have a responsibility to let go. I can't control my son or my daughter-in-law and I most assuredly can't and shouldn't interfere in their marriage one day. If I want to maintain a healthy relationship with my son, I need to let 
go. If you really love someone, a healthy relationship with that person will not flow from control, but from surrender. So how do we move from control to surrender? The bad news is that there's no quick solution. It's a daily discipline. It's a muscle we need to build. But the good news is we have the Holy Spirit who will help us. Don't even try and do this in your own strength. It is not by might nor by power, but by God's Spirit that we will be able to let go and let God. So I want to take you to a very well-known portion of Scripture and unpack it for you today. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. So let's talk about trust. Some of you might have heard about Johnny hanging from the cliff, screaming for help. So when God said, Johnny, just let go. I will catch you. There was a moment of silence and then Johnny asked, Is there maybe anyone else who can help me? We often ask God to help us, but if His answer doesn't match our expectation, we run to another source for help or we scheme or manipulate to have our way. If this is you, your journey of surrender starts with repentance, saying, God, I battle to trust you. Please forgive me and help me to put my trust in you. Trust in the Lord. We cannot trust in prayer or fasting or worship or the pastor. We need to trust in the Lord. And the only way in which we can trust in the Lord is when we know Him and know His character. And the only way we can get to know the Lord and His true character is when we actively engage with Him daily on every aspect of our lives. Family, children, work, finances, studies, dreams, future or hobbies. I have a question for you. What sports star or actor do you like? Do you know that person? Or only do you know about him or her? My husband and son are into Marvel comic movies. So I decided if you can't beat them, join them. So I've seen quite a few Marvel movies for the two men in my life. And of all those Marvel characters, my hero is Captain America. He's the responsible one, the man with a plan, a natural leader who is willing to sacrifice his life to save others. He falls from high buildings and gets up and fights some more. But apart from all these amazing qualities, he's a one-woman man. Quite an amazing character. But apparently Chris Evans, the actor who played the role of Captain America, opened up about his struggle with mental illness, depression and anxiety during his time as Captain America. When I read that, I was like, what? He's Captain America. He helps other people. How can he struggle with depression and anxiety? The truth is, I know Captain America, the character. I don't know Chris Evans, the actor. I have no idea who he really is because there's no personal relationship. The point I'm trying to make is, we sometimes think we know someone. But the only way we will truly know someone is if we engage daily on a personal basis. Do you really know God or do you only know about Him? You can only put your trust in the Lord if you truly know Him. Job 42 verse 5 says, I've only heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. We can only trust in the Lord if we see Him with our own eyes daily. Trust in the Lord with all your 
heart. Jeremiah 17, 5 to 6 says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert, and he shall not see when good comes. You will miss beautiful moments in your life if your heart turns away from the Lord. You will not see good when it comes. When we moved to East London at the end of 2008 to pastor a Shafer church, I got a transfer to the East London branch of my firm, for which I worked for. I was eight months pregnant, and my company policy was that I can get my full salary while being on maternity leave, but I needed to go back to work for one year after my maternity leave. Since I was moving between two branches, neither of the two were prepared to pay me any salary, during my maternity leave. Some of the managers I worked with felt that it was wrong and I should fight for this, but I felt that God wanted me to trust him and not demand anything. In the meantime, I had a dream in my heart to join Andre in full-time ministry, but Shava East London would not have been able to pay two salaries from the beginning. Great was our surprise when the Shafa East London Church grew to such an extent within six months after we arrived in East London that the church could employ another person. So I only worked for five months at the East London branch of my firm before I resigned and joined Andre at the church. If I have received my full salary during my maternity leave, I would not have been able to resign at that stage. And both Andre and I knew that it was a window of opportunity I had to take. Otherwise, he would have employed someone else to help him at the church. By putting my trust in God with all my heart, he opened a door for me to pursue my dream. Trusting in the Lord with all your heart will help you to let go of control and it will open your eyes for good things from God's hands. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Romans 12, 16 says, Do not be wise in your own opinion. We only see in part. God is the only one who sees the full picture who knows the future, who knows what is truly best for our families and our careers. Many years ago, my husband acted on something because he thought he heard from the Lord. I have massive respect for his ability to hear God's voice and his heart to be obedient when God speaks. But unfortunately, that specific time, I did not feel comfortable with what he had heard. I tried to communicate my concern but he wasn't open to listening to me at that stage purely because of his commitment to obey God. In the end, there was clear evidence that he misinterpreted what he had heard. It was not the voice of God and there were huge consequences. My own understanding said, this is a mistake and I need to change my husband's mind and I need to convince him to listen to me. But my understanding was limited. Because even though there were huge implications due to his mistake, our whole relationship changed for the good afterwards. Since that incident, Andre listens to my opinion and asks my input on decisions. Whenever I feel uncomfortable about any decision, he waits and pray again, even if he feels that God spoke to him. I will be forever thankful for this mistake that he made. Both Andre and I learned so much through that situation and God made it work together for good. 
in all your ways, acknowledge him. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord, a well-known scripture. We have a certain way of doing things, and we do it that way because we feel it is the best way. However, other people are going to do things differently. And this can cause a lot of conflict and stress. And the result could be that we control and manipulate to have it our way. Letting go of our way and putting our trust in the Lord starts by humbling ourselves and acknowledging that our way or timing is not always the best. Or even if it is the better way, we need to realize that forcing our way on other people will cost us greatly. We will lose our peace and the heart of the people we love most. I want to take you to a story in the book of Genesis 27. Isaac was the promised child who was born to Abram and Sarah, and he got married to a beautiful girl called Rebecca. Isaac and Rebecca are twins. The firstborn was Esau and his brother was Jacob. Rebecca loved Jacob and Isaac loved Esau. So when Isaac was old, he could not see anymore. And when it was time for the firstborn blessing, Rebecca listened at the door and decided to deceive her husband so that her favorite son, Jacob, could receive the firstborn blessing. Jacob still said to her, Look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man and I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him. And I shall bring a curse upon myself and not... A blessing. But listen to this. Rebecca said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son, and only obey my voice. So Jacob got the firstborn blessing, and Rebecca got her way. But the result of Rebecca's scheming and dishonoring her husband was that she never saw her favorite son again. He had to flee for his life because his brother wanted to kill him. Rebecca followed her way instead of God's way. She lost everything that was precious to her. We need to humble ourselves and acknowledge that God's ways are always better than our ways. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. We all know the story of Esther in the Bible where God moved powerfully on her behalf. He turned her husband's heart to give her favor, to save a nation, and to give her co-rulership with him. Reading about her strategy is fascinating. Before she spoke to the king, her husband, on behalf of her nation, she presented her case to the king of kings, God, first. She fasted and prayed for three days. She sought God's face and wisdom. And then she approached her husband and the rest is history. There are positive outcomes when we acknowledge God before we do things our way. Instead of reacting to a crisis or problem, we act in godliness. Or instead of leaning on our own understanding, we lean on God's wisdom. Instead of fighting in the flesh, we fight in the spirit through prayer and allow God to fight for us. And instead of being filled with anxiety and fear, we are filled with peace and joy. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. When God directs our paths, it means that He will give us wisdom what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. So how do we recognize God's direction? There are many ways, but I just want to highlight two. 
Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word of God is our map. God will never direct us in a way contrary to his words. And in Proverbs 11:14 it says, Without good direction, people lose their way. But the more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. In the counsel of many, there is wisdom. So I want to encourage you to surround yourself with godly people who can speak into your life. So let's summarize. The antidote for control is surrender. Putting our trust in the Lord. But how do we do that? First of all, we start with repenting. We repent of scheming and manipulating, eavesdropping, playing God, fighting in the flesh, being divisive, being dishonest, and taking matters into our own hands. We repent and ask God to forgive us and change our hearts. Second, we need to humble ourselves and walk in the light. With regards to my anxiety around my son's academic achievements, I had to bring my issues into the light and pray with someone. I didn't want to admit that I was struggling with something so stupid. But only when I humbled myself, I experienced the beauty of surrender. Three, we need to unburden ourselves daily through prayer in God's presence. Surrender is a daily and a continuous process. Number four, we need to stop with our own plans and ask for God's wisdom and guidance. If God says we must address the situation, we need to do it prayerfully, respectfully, and with humility. But if God says wait, then we must put our dreams and desires in God's hands and not fight for it ourselves. How do we do that? We pray, we wait, we don't react, we give it time, and we allow God to deal with the situation or to bring change. Then you wait and pray some more until you have clarity and God's perspective over the situation. Imagine a life of total surrender unto God, where you don't feel responsible to control the outcome of things, but trust in a God whose ways are higher than our ways. It is a life of freedom and it is worth pursuing. If you do not know God, His ways or His peace, your first step to surrender is to surrender your life to Jesus. To let go of control and to invite him to sit on the throne of your life. If you do have a relationship with God but try to control things, feeling overwhelmed and exhausted, it is time to surrender. Your future, your children, your spouse, your dreams, your job, your finances. Let's repent of control, humble ourselves and ask God to take our burdens. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, I surrender my life to you. I feel overwhelmed and burdened with so many things I can't control. Forgive me for wanting to control situations in my life and the lives of people around me. Give me the grace to put my trust in you and to ask and follow your ways in everything I do. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.